Now, gentlemen. The defendant is not guilty. But somebody in this courtroom is. Unmitigated temerity. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome back to the OK Gatsby Season 3, To Chill a Mockingbird. To Chill a Mockingbird. That's right. I'm Terrence Hartnett. This is Kevin Lopkovich. That's right. Chapter 3. So last we left off, she had a rough day, rough first half of a day at first grade, and it starts off with another great scout understating. Of catching Walter Cunningham in the schoolyard gave me some pleasure, but when I was rubbing his nose in the dirt, Jim came by and told me to stop. You're bigger than he is, he said. Bigger than he is. So she's beating up Walter Cunningham. Classic <laughs> classic six-year-old girl behavior and just the kid who was kind of nice in the last chapter, yeah. uh, who, who came off kind of like heroic as the heroic poor person. Now he's getting <laughs> beat up by some girl. <laughs> and Jim's like, hey, stop. And her stop uh, answer is, he's as old as you, dearly. He made me start off on the wrong foot. <laughs> Where it's like somebody, because she clearly like just heard that phrase that day. <laughs> he made me start off on the wrong foot. Because <laughs> that's like, you're starting off on the wrong foot with me. And so it's just a little kid thing of aping the teacher's dialogue. No, whatever. wait, wait. This is about the race, right? Catching? Wait. Catching. No, it's she, you're starting off on the wrong foot. That's like having a bad start. I understand what the the idiom <laughs> getting off on the wrong foot is, but why would Walter Cunningham make Scout start off on the wrong foot? It's a misunderstanding. Like he blames she blames him for how Miss Caroline hates him. I read it. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. He made me start off on the wrong foot with Miss Cunning with Miss Caroline. Yeah. With True. <laughs> <laughs> True. I think maybe they were racing and they started off. No, no, no it's no. just she's okay, mad okay. at him for uh, embarrassing him. Uh, right? Kevin, you're incorrect. There's no wrong answers <laughs> in English class. <laughs> well, this is a podcast, baby. <laughs> Tougher world. School's out. <laughs> well, I'll beat you with the playground, baby. <laughs> so, Jem, uh, uh, you know, steps in as the hero and he invites Cunningham over to dinner at the. Finches. Brief flashes of being a little Atticus. Ooh, a finch is a bird and so is a mockingbird. Yeah. All right. Keep a lookout for bird stuff. Bird stuff. Bird imagery. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he just says, your daddy, Mr. Walter Cunningham from Old Serum, he asked, and Walter nodded. Uh, and I, I love the, uh, what, what does he say about his sister? Uh our daddy's a friend of your daddy. Scout here. She's crazy. She won't fight you anymore. <laughs> and then Scout says, I wouldn't be too certain of that. <laughs> she's so rascally. Yeah, she's like, yeah, she's like, she's got to be like wearing overalls, like a little, like a frog in the pocket kind of kind of girl. She's like the only confident narrator we've had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only one who is like self-assured and, I mean, and yeah. so believes they're right all and the time. she's six years old. Yeah. But it's a very nice invitation of like, hey, you want to come over for lunch? Uh, and then even scouts like, yeah, Walter, I won't jump on you again. Don't like, don't you like butter beans? Our cow's a real good cook. And then they, they keep this walk away and Walter's like, I'll join you. Yeah. They walk away up near the Radley place. A haint lives there. As Walter says about the Radley place. Ever heard about him, Walter? A haint. Haint? Yeah. I think it's Southern slang Some sort for of a thing. haunt or yeah. a phantom. Oh yeah. 
uh, Walter almost ate the ate the, uh, he almost ate the pecans. So they were talking about the pecans last chapter. They, yeah. they tell the kids in the schoolyard don't eat the pecans. Um, he almost died, which he probably didn't almost die. They're probably they're actually they're actually not cursed. It's all, it's all a bunch of little kid lying compounding onto each other. Where it's like, okay, I'm not telling the truth, but Walter told me that he ate the pecan, <laughs> <laughs> and Walter's like, I wasn't telling the truth then. <laughs> but it is like this house is so famous that even these rural kids on the outskirts of towns are like, that house is messed up. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also funny how close it is to the school. Like, there's this like terrifying house right next to the school. It helps, I think. That it, yeah, helps with the uh, with the rumors. Yeah. Um. So Jim isn't uh, doesn't seem scared. Um. And well, who's he, running? He does such a boy thing. He's like, yeah. I went all the way up to the house once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Scout never lets him have a moment of braggadocio where she's just like, anybody who went up to the house once ought to not still run every time he passes it. And then he's like, and who's running, Mrs. Press? <laughs> and he says, and she says, you, you are, are when ain't nobody <laughs> with you. <laughs> Woo! Nice. She roasts. Take him to the face. Take him down a peg. Yes. Uh, this is an interesting line. By the time we reached our front steps, Walter had forgotten he was a Cunningham. Hmm. Which is like, oh, we forgot that he doesn't belong. Or like, I feel like he feels pressure to put on like, hey, I'm very poor and don't give me any charity, but I, I like. Right. Okay. And now he he's just like, a oh, guy. I'm excited for lunch. Now I'm just a guy. Yeah. He's just he's a friend. Oh, this is nice. So this is like, yeah, like okay. So in case you weren't ready for it, get ready for some heavy-handed class moralism, moral, yes. moral stuff. This is, this book is just a series of anecdotes that teach you lessons about life. Yeah. <laughs> Not just country stories. Um. So they're talking at dinner. Walter's talking about how he has to every spring he has to help Papa with the chopping. Yeah, it's so how smooth how Atticus or the Walter walks in and Atticus is like, oh yes, of course you're here. Tell me about farming, and then they, he talks to this nine year old boy about farming. Yeah. for like half an hour. Yeah, Atticus <laughs> is such a saint. He knows. Yeah, he's like a, he's a man of the people. He's like starting to like starting to get that get that picture, which I kind of already had. He's like he's like, he's almost like he's a figure in culture now, the Atticus Finch figure, which yeah. is like in other stories, the people, reserved, the compared. highly principled, like. Yeah, the measured, morally just. Yeah. So, uh, I like how uh, uh, every spring he has to help out Papa with the chopping. But there's another one at the house now that's <laughs> field size. <laughs> so he has a brother that is old enough to hold an axe or whatever. And he's like, yeah. And now he can go to the first grade. <laughs> yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. My grandpa used to sit uh, sit in his uh, in his rocking chair and. Uh, he, he used to just say, he's like, I had five sons, so I wouldn't have to mow my own lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and that was his way of telling someone to mow the lawn. Yeah. This uh, is kind of like that. Yeah, and then there's this weird moment where Walter takes his food and piles molasses on it. Yeah, he asks, first of all, he asks if there's any molasses in the house. Culperina brings it over, and Walter poured syrup on his vegetable and meat with a generous hand. He would probably have poured it into his milk glass had I not asked what the Sam Hill he was doing. <laughs> Another one, yeah, he she chooses uh, she chooses to like put Scout's words sometimes in the narration instead of in quotes. Like mm. when he's like, I asked him if he was yeah. crazy. <laughs> I, I contented myself with asking if he lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> what in the Sam Hill he was doing? Yeah, and it's it's just a, like a I could see this. They're like there's poor kids at the plate. Scout doesn't know him or really like him. He's already off to a bad start. And this kid takes this beautiful plate of vegetables and just pours molasses yeah. out of all things all over it. Yeah, all over it. 
Um, and then Scout is obnoxious, and it makes Walter sad. He quickly put his hands on his lap, then he ducked his head so that he replaced the platter. And he put such it, yeah. a quick way of like he felt shame, but not saying because he's yeah. then like Walter. He's like he put his hands in his lap and ducked his head. Yeah, down. show and don't tell. Could, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, Scout um, is Scout. You know, kind of made like a childish mistake here. Yeah. And in the narration, it doesn't quite say the narrator doesn't right now know that Scout has made a faux pas by saying this. Uh, because she's about to get, and then you know, Culperina brings her into the kitchen, and gets mad at him. But I want to, I want to track um, Scout's narration and how, how much Scout knows, you know, because Scout is kind of like um, memoirizing, mm-hmm. you know, writing this in a memoir sort of fashion. Yeah, there's two Scouts. There's Child Scout, and then there's the how adult Scout. Harper that, Lee, na- yeah, through right, yeah. yeah, fictional. Essentially, half autobiographized. So it kind of floats, yeah. Because sometimes Scout will have, uh, you know, more adult ideas mm. and more of an adult understanding of what's going on. And sometimes it's like funny how childish Scout is being. And this is one of the times where Scout is definitely a six-year-old, yeah, uh, girl. And I love Atticus doesn't say anything. He just shook his head. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that is like the that's how reserved he is. Is like that's a big deal of like, oh, you messed up. <laughs> Time for a head shake. <laughs> 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 I will shake my head at you and if you're she, she protests She goes But he's gone and drawn his dinner in syrup I protested He's poured it all over And like It's like she knows she's in trouble <laughs> Yeah Yeah uh, And then Calpurnia Takes the role of the discipliner Disciplinarian uh, and There's di- some folks who don't like Who don't eat like us But you you ain't called on to contradict them at the table when they don't That boy's that boy's your company, and if he wants to eat up the tablecloth, you let him. You hear? She says, he ain't company, Cal. He's just a Cunningham. She's immediately cut off. Yeah. Hush your mouth. <laughs> don't matter who they are. Anybody sets foot in this house, show your company. And don't you let me catch you remarking on their ways like you was so high and mighty. Your folks might be better than the Cunninghams, but it don't count for nothing the way you're disgracing them. If you can't act fit to eat at the table, you can just sit here and eat in the kitchen. What do you make of this, Kev? Uh, I think it's just a, a cut and dry class versus uh, quality of human being like scene of like yes, like there's values that transcend class and scout and are very young and like I understandable ways like that's a very poor person I don't really have to treat them with the same respect and like like Calpurnia is like no you do and if you don't you are embarrassing everyone yeah you might as well be no nobody what's who cares who you are if you're yeah. like that yeah so um yeah we're starting to see some some class yeah class stuff yes and what we talked about is like here's just a portrait of just an innocent nice like working class person with values like he asked politely for the molasses it's a weird thing but he's like i want to eat like this and he's happy to eat at their dinner and he says thank you just a, just a good all around good kid. Yeah, a good kid who likes to have molasses on his. Well, it's kind of like it's like because like really clo- like molasses is hard to come by, and yeah. it's like hey, if you're offering, I can have as much as I want. I'm gonna have as much as I want. Yeah, it's like when you go over to the kids' house where the parents buy them pop, and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> it's on, it's on. I'm drinking a bunch of Diet Mountain Dew tonight, baby. <laughs> I'm gonna pee on their couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kev. And it's a uh, another. It's just now she's mad at Calpurnia, and this is a very 
Calpurnia sent me through the swinging door to the din- dining room with a st- stinging smack. I retrieved my plate. Just pla- a quick reference to <laughs> corporal punishment. Okay. Yes. Yep. Uh, I retrieved my plate and finished dinner in the kitchen, thankful, though, that I was spared the humiliation of facing them again. I told Calpurnia to just wait. I'd fix her. One of these days when she wasn't looking, I'd go off and drown myself in Barker's Eddie, and then she'd be sorry. Besides, I added, she already gotten me in trouble once today. She had taught me to write, and it was all her fault. Hush your fussing, she said. <laughs> no patience for this. She's like, I'm going to kill myself, and also you got me in trouble for writing. <laughs> She's like, Shut up. <laughs> I'm literate, and that's your fault, too. <laughs> now I'm moral and literate. <laughs> you know my real mom? Yeah. <laughs> that's like on the undercut of all of it. it was, You're not my real mom. <laughs> yeah, I know. God. And then she goes over to Atticus and strongly requests that Calpurnia be fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Right? Didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, staying behind to advise Atticus of Cal- Calpurnia's iniquities <laughs> was worth a solitary sprint. She likes Jem better than me. She like better than she likes me anyway. I concluded and suggested that Atticus lose no time in packing her off. <laughs> and Atticus very sternly says, have you considered that Jem doesn't worry her half as much? I have no intention of getting rid of her now or ever. We couldn't operate a single day without Cal. You ever thought of that? You think about how much Cal does for you, and you mind her. You hear? So it's like, look, you're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you're a kid. Yeah. And this is where, yeah, so Scout, the narrator Scout right now is solidly six years old. Yes. She, like, believes that Calpurnia, although her vocabulary is obviously, like, you know, a, a good novelist, but, like, she is in the mode of Calpurnia is an idiot because she yelled at me and I hate her and she's, yeah. she'll be done. Fire her. She likes Jim better. Yeah. Like, get rid of her. All these things that if she had any perspective, she would see past. Yeah. So that this is all at lun- like a lunch break from school, right? Because they go back to school. All right. And we just had a nice dinner with a uh, a rural poor person. It was nothing but manners, and she learned about life. I wonder if there's going to be an opposite example. <laughs> hmm. Let's look, shall we? All right. So uh, Miss Caroline screams, and then a gentleman by the name of Little Chuck Little, uh, who was described as whose patience with all living things was phenomenal. Uh, and then it turns out that she's po- she Miss Caroline's pointed a shrieking figure not at the floor nor at the desk, but to a hulking individual unknown to me. And then little Chuck's face. So she's pointing at a student when she screamed, he's alive, or it's alive. And he said, gentle, you mean him, ma'am? Yes, he's alive. Did you scare you some way? Uh, and then she says, I was just walking by when it crawled out of his hair. Just crawled out of his hair. And then little Chuck very nicely says, there ain't no need to fear a cootie, ma'am. Ain't you ever seen one? And then the the most mature thing. Now, don't you be afraid. You just go back to your desk and teach her some more. <laughs> I can I imagine like the drawl of like an old old Southern man. Yeah. Now don't you be afraid. <laughs> don't you be afraid, Miss. Why don't you just go back? So to many your lines from this. What must be like a a seven year old <laughs> comfort because it's this Northern Alabama person of no character, <laughs> not used to rural uh, things. Yeah. Uh, he was a born gentleman, little Chuck Little. Now don't you fret, ma'am. There ain't no need to fear a cootie. I'll just fetch you some cool water. Uh, let's see. And then she addressed the man with the bug in his hair. Uh, it says, what is your name, son? She asked softly. The boy blinked. Who, me? Burris Ewell. Uh, Miss Caroline inspected her roll book. I have a Ewell here, but I don't have a first name. Would you spell your first name for me? Uh, don't know how. They call me Burris at home. Yeah, let's see here. 
And she's like, go home and wash your hair. You are covered in bugs. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, she doesn't know nothing about living in, <laughs> in Maycomb if she asks someone to get the bugs out of her hair. <laughs> oh, and she goes and looks up. She produces a thick volume, leafs through his pages in red for a moment. A good, a good home remedy for Burris. I want you to go home and wash your hair with lye soap. When you're done, when you've done that, treat your scalp with kerosene. What fur, Missus? To get rid of the uh, cootie. You see, Burris, the other children might catch them, and you wouldn't want that, would you? And then he stands up, and he was the filthiest human I had ever seen. His neck was dark gray. The back, the backs of his hands were. Rusty and his fingernails were black deep into the quick. <laughs> and uh, yeah, from a fist sized clean space on his face. So, like, only his face. <laughs> Just the uh, immediate surrounding of his face is clean. And she adds, And Burris, please bathe yourself before you come back tomorrow. The boy laughed rudely. You ain't sending me home, missus. I was on the verge of leaving. I, I done done my time for this year. Uh, what do you mean by that? The boy did not answer, and then they try again, and they go, he's one of the Yules, ma'am, just so someone else. <laughs> once again, yeah, he's one of the Yules, ma'am. Once again, a poor person is, is explained by their last name. Like, oh, yeah. you see, this is one of the poors. This is yes, a this is this particular family. <laughs> you got to treat them differently. Right, and in Maycomb, everyone just knows what you mean. Like, they go, oh, okay, it's a Cunningham, or oh, okay, it's a Yule. They, like, you, you've said enough. Like, you've explained this person entirely by their last name. Man, that's that's such a small town. Like, yeah. Oh, he's a Yule. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's one of the hard nets. You leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> he's more afraid of you than you are afraid of him. <laughs> Yules will be Yules. Uh, and then the six point whole school's full of them. They come first day every year and then leave. The truant lady gets him here because she threatens him with the sheriff, but she's give up trying to hold him. She reckons she's carried out the law, just getting their names on the roll, running him here for the first day. You're supposed to mo- you're supposed to mark him absent the rest of the year. Uh, and then this is like a reasonable explanation to them, right. and this is shocking to her. But what about their parents? Uh, ain't got no mother, and their pa's right contentious. And what I like about this is Burris Ewell was flattered by the recital. It's like, uh, yes, I am the villain outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> Been coming to the first day of first grade for three years now. Reckon I'm smart this year, they'll promote me to the second. <laughs> For next year. So he comes, he's gone to three days of school, and he's like, all right, if I crush this first day. <laughs> and Miss Caroline's like, sit back down, please, Burris. And the moment she said it, I knew she had made a serious mistake. So the boy's condescension flashed to anger. And this is so funny because this is in a first grade class. <laughs> I know. You try and make me, Mrs. So I already gauntlet's been thrown down. Little Chuck Little got to his feet. Let him go, ma'am. He's a mean one, a hard-down mean one. He's li- he's liable to start something, and there's some little folks here. <laughs> so it's already like this Like this cop is like, ma'am, step away. You know, <laughs> he's like six years no, old. No, ma'am, he's liable to start some. He was among the most diminutive men, but when Burris Earl t- turned to him, little Chuck's right hand went to his pocket. Yeah. Watch your step, Burris. I'd soon as kill you as look at you. Now go home. Now, this is a standoff in the first day of school in first grade. Threatening murder. <laughs> a peaceful small town. A gentleman reaches for a knife in his pocket and says, I'll kill you if you start anything. <laughs> 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 this is the this first day of teaching. <laughs> I came all the way from northern Alabama and is like, all right, I'm going to change these poor people's lives. With her degree in her pocket, ready with the, her new system of teaching. 
Yeah. <laughs> Screams at bugs shooting out of a man's head <laughs> and then watches as a man half the size of the other one fl- like reaches for a knife and says, I'll kill you if you start trouble. And this is the good kid. This is the good <laughs> kid. The, the good kid has a little, knife in his pocket. That's the little gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> I'll kill you. And this like genuinely scares Burris and then and Miss Caroline says, Burris, go home. If you don't, I'll call the principal. I'll have to report this some way. Uh, and then her first day of teaching continues with he, this boy yelling at her from a distance, report and be damned to ye. Ain't no, it's not no slut of a school teacher ever born can make me do nothing. You ain't making me go nowhere, missus. You just remember that. You ain't making me go nowhere. Yeah, he leaves, but he goes, just so you know, you're a slut. I'm and not, <laughs> you don't fire me. I quit. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving because I want to, and you're a snot no slut. <laughs> You're yeah. gross. See what a gross, gross. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is a gross, gross human being. Yes. He's a disgusting person who happens to be poor, and he's not doing and it he's, right. And he conflicts with a gentleman who happens to be poor. Yeah. And it's so it's also nice, but it's like it's not the sort of the the vague liberal thing of all poor poor people are are great souls that are just like it's like no here's some true villains <laughs> right which is nice because right, it'd be easy to just kind of like you know make the poor seem like they're angels yeah who are just not given the right opportunity and yeah. that's probably what miss caroline was hoping to see I was yeah like, look at these angels who just needed me to save them all he needs need a little bit of learning reading and writing yeah and of course it, it's like oh th- th- their situation has made them into brutal people but they, this is a, a brutal violent person that they had to kick out of first grade <laughs> yeah uh yeah and then everyone was nice to her. Like he waited until he was sure she was crying. Then he oh, so she started crying. So and it's so like Yule wants to make her cry. That's so what he her, wants to do. Yeah, her class is laughed at her face twice, as embarrassed her in front of another teacher, and then a man made her cry. <laughs> so it's like uh, I might I might leave make them and <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he was a real man. Uh, and then everyone. Came in to comfort her, though. He was a real mean one, below the belt. You ain't called on to teach folks like that. They made Malcolm ways, Miss Caroline. Not really. Now, don't you fret, ma'am, Miss Caroline. Why don't you read us a story? The cat thing was real fine this morning. <laughs> so so kind. You love that stuff. Read us a story or something. Read one of those cat stories. Read one of those made-up stupid stories you like so much. Yeah. So she's happy. Thank you, darlings. Um, and then the, the school day ends. So, so then Scout heads home. Oh, my God. Wait. So... She's sad about it. Uh, see, so they they he has a pl- he gets out a half earlier hour earlier than Jim. Right. She's home. She's talking to Culpertina, uh, Culper Culperina. Sorry, Culpernia. Calpernia. Calpernia. Yes, Calpernia. Um, and there's a nice little moment where Calpernia <coughs> yeah. sees her and goes, "Shut your eyes and open your mouth, and I'll give you a surprise." Uh, and it was and- crackling bread. Yes. Do you know what crackling bread is? I've never had. I can bread. imagine it's got a crispy crust. That's what I'm, I don't know. Yeah. It's bread. I mean, if it was cake, I mean, it could be so the, way, the way people talk in the south. It could be cake. It could be anything. Yeah. It could be pop. It could be bacon. <laughs> it could be yeah. Crackling bread. It's like crackling bread. And she says, "I missed you today. The house got so lonesome. Long about two o'clock. I had to turn on the radio, and Scout, not understanding what a, a vulnerable olive branch of like, hey, I, I do care about you, goes, why? Jim and me ain't ever in the house unless it's raining." And Caponia's like, I know, but one of you's always calling in distance. I wonder how much of the day I spend just calling after you. Well, it's enough time to make a pan of crackling bread, I reckon. You run along now, and let me get supper on the table. Very genuine, tender moment from Caponia. Not understood. 
I wondered what had come over her. She wanted to make she wanted to make up with me. That was it. She'd always been too hard on me. She had at last seen the error of her fractitious <laughs> ways. <laughs> Which is like I don't think she I don't think she is going back on what she thought. Yeah, she was sorry and too stubborn to say so. I was weary from the day's crimes. <laughs> <laughs> She's so dramatic. a lot of crimes today. Yeah, she's such the hero of her own story, but like unabashedly. Right. So this is where I was started thinking about that, like that scout is being crazily six years old in this narration, yeah. which is like she should she should know better. Um, okay. Then Atticus comes home to teach Scout a lesson as his his uh, yeah his, his, his duty as a character and a father. Yeah. Um, I like how he sits down and goes, Scout, ready to read? Like, so right they do this every night. The, he taught her how to read. I mean, like, she didn't even know she was being taught how to read because it was just seemed like it was fun. Mm-hmm. But I like how it's like, uh, Scout earlier was like, Atticus is too tired. He just comes home and reads. Yeah. He never teaches me anything. It's like, oh, no, he's been teaching you to read from the newspaper the whole time. Yeah, and he likes spending the time with you. Yeah. Uh, and then she skulks off because clearly she's conflicted about reading now. Something wrong, Scout. Uh, and then she says, I I don't think I'd go to school anymore if it was all right with him. Yeah, he doesn't feel well, which is like, this is the most six-year-old thing ever. I don't feel well. I'd like to never go to school ever again, <laughs> if that's all right. You know what? I thought I tried it. <laughs> I tried it. I gave it an honest shot. <laughs> and I'll be fair. Not for Not me. For me. <laughs> Not for me. Um. So Atticus sits down and goes, ah, time to... Teach teach you a lesson. He, she to wants get, to be, he takes out his pocket watch. Yeah. He's like, put it on a whole show right now. <laughs> she says, and Scout says, you never went to school, and you do, all right, so I'll just stay home too. You can teach me like Granddaddy taught you and Uncle Jack. And Atticus is like, no, I can't. <laughs> I have to make a living. Besides, they put me in jail if I kept you at home. Dose of magnesia for you, and tonight, and school tomorrow. And then Scott, I'm feeling all right, really. Thought so. What's the matter? So... She told tells him about his day, and he gets ready for a. Oh, he 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 gets ready for like a lesson on empathy, right? Yeah. So he says, "If you can learn a simple trick, Scout, you'll get along a lot better with all kinds of people. You never really understand a person until you can consider things from his point of view, sir. <laughs> What's point of view? Uh, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. It's so weird. Like it almost feels a lot like the beginning of uh, Gatsby, where he's like." To reserve judgment is a matter like not everyone had the same advantages as you did. Like yeah, it's the same. It's a big theme in uh, American literature is like reserving judgment and understanding <laughs> the forces that have hurt people. Empathy, yeah, so important. Uh, so a- Atticus is just like he wisely assesses the whole day, and then <laughs> Scout brings up Burris Ewell as a. <laughs> As an argument, Burris yeah. Ewell, remember? He just goes to school the first day. The truant lady reckons she's carried out the law when she gets his name in the roll. And Atticus is like, well, you're not <clears throat> a crazy person. <laughs> right, so right. So he goes on to explain, yeah, Atticus said the Ewells had been the disgrace of Maycomb for three generations. None of them had done an honest day's work in his recollection. He said that some Christmas, when he was getting rid of the tree, he would take me with him and show me show me where and how they lived. They were people, but they lived like animals. They can go to school anytime they want to when they show the faintest symptom of wanting an education, said Atticus. There are ways of keeping them in school by force, but it's silly to force people like the Yules into a new environment. Um, I like how they live down by where you throw the Christmas tree away. That's yeah. the only reason to go they to that neighborhood. By the dump. Yeah. yeah. It's so brutal. Um, and she goes, if I didn't go to school tomorrow, you'd force me to. Uh, li- let us leave it at this, said Atticus dryly. You, Miss Scout Finch, are of the common folk. You must obey the law. <laughs> 
He said that the Yules were members of an exclusive society made up of Yules. In certain circumstances, the common folk judiciously allowed them certain privileges by the simple method of becoming blind to some of the Yules' activities. They didn't have to go to school for one thing. Another thing, Mr. Bob Yule, Burris's father, was permitted to hunt and trap out of season. And he explains, like, that's because their dad is drunk all the time. and It's like, they those kids have to eat. They're, yeah. they're tough. They're mean. But they are children who need to eat. And, like, anything that their drunk dad can hit with a gun, it's like, go ahead and eat it, bud. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, what are we getting here from Atticus? Like, or like what is being I – I can just feel something being set up, right? I mean, first of all, the judiciousness of Atticus, like, the way he, like, argues things mm-hmm. like a lawyer would um, – the empathy, the empathy factor seems like a setup for things, and also the class thing seems to be in play. So, well, uh, the Eels will play a, a a big role in the court cases to come. Damn it! <laughs> Spoiler alert: <laughs> they do something bad. Yeah, I Good, mean, they're spending building. so much time setting up the Eels, where it's like, yeah, this is a lesson in empathy, and like, hey, like, look at, like, how does this moral man like look at the children of a immoral man yeah a totally immoral man like i have empathy for the children my empathy runs short for yule the the father bob yule but the children it's like they gotta eat and i don't what's his line um are you going to take out your disapproval on his children which is like it's like he knows they're going to become the next generation of bad parents but he's like they're, they're children right now. Yeah, give them a chance. And yeah. in his world, his principles, children, you get to, you have to take care of them no matter who's their father. I love it. Uh, and then Atticus, about the, the, okay, no, sir, but if I keep on going to school, we can't read anymore. And then that's what's really bothering you, isn't it? Yes, sir. Uh, and then he says, do you know what a compromise is? And then she says, bending the law and almost like a sitcom, 60s sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, an agreement reached by mutual concessions. It works this way. If you'll concede the necessity of going to school, we'll go on reading every night just as we always have. Is it a bargain? Yes, sir. We'll consider it sealed with the usual formality, or without the usual formality. Yeah, <laughs> scout's <laughs> spitting in her hand. Her hand like, Let's shake, Dad. And he's spitting like, I'm not, I'm not shaking your spit-covered hand. <laughs> and also, like, yeah, Atticus is a good lawyer. He gets, he, he talks her down to, let's do the exact same thing we've been doing this whole time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is a deal that's great for him. His daughter can read, like, it's like, I'll, I'll, I don't have to change, and yeah. she goes to school. How's this for a deal? Yeah. Uh, by the way, Scout, you better not say anything at school about our agreement. Why not? And then he drops his lawyer line. I'm afraid our activities would be received with considerable disappropriation by the more learned authorities. <laughs> Jim and I were accustomed to our father's last will and testament diction. I love it. And we were all at times free to interrupt Atticus for a translation when it was beyond our understanding. Uh, Huh, sir? I never went to school, he said, but I have a feeling that if you tell Miss Caroline we read every night, she'll get after me, and I wouldn't want her after me. (laughs) So he's he's such a, like, a good, like, that the whole book is like, oh, he's a great dude, which is a bummer in the sequel, apparently. He comes... he ages poorly. <laughs> Atticus? Yeah. Yeah, well, the sequel doesn't seem like it's held as canon by nearly anybody, it seems. Yeah. Um, then this last this last paragraph of chapter three is interesting. Atticus kept in fits that evening gravely reading columns of print about a man who sat in a flagpole for no discernible reason, which is reason enough for Jem to spend the following Saturday aloft in the treehouse. Jem sat uh, from after breakfast until sunset and would have remained overnight had not Atticus severed his supply lines. <laughs> 
So first of all, they're laughing at this guy who's setting the flagpole all day. Right? Yes, and then weirdly, I know about this because of this weird sports book I had when a kid. It was a craze at this time to try and sit on top of a flagpole for as long as possible. <laughs> and Atticus, with some perfect comic timing, decides to read these articles gravely. It's described as like gotcha. deadpan, serious. Of like, he went up to the top of the flagpole <laughs> and he sat there for thirty six hours. <laughs> And, like, they were all laughing. And then Jim he- hears about it. And little boy thing, it's like, all right, I'm going to do that. That's a way to get attention <laughs> and do feats of strength. <laughs> and then he goes up at his treehouse. And then, Scott, like, uh, Atticus says, uh, if I paid no attention to him, Jim wouldn't come down. And Atticus was right. <laughs> so it's just a nice, there's really an Atticus showcases chapter of, like, let me oh, give a God. bunch of long, wise speeches. And then let me be a fun father and a wise father again. <laughs> it's almost too much. I have a feeling it's not gonna. We're not gonna get any break in the uh, in the Atticus's. Uh, we're not gonna get any like any more structure or nuance. This character, he's gonna. Be, I feel like he's gonna be like just this kind of hero. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Great. Yeah. I I think it's also it's a child looking at her father. Right. And this is also a, a quiet man racked with grief. <laughs> uh, he's not racked with grief. I feel like his wife died, and he's. I know his wife died. But he's not actively wrecked. There's nothing to show that he's wrecked with yeah, grief. We're, we're like so far he's a walking law textbook. Yeah. Sure. He's an ethics he's an ethics yeah, lesson ethics with legs. Yeah. yeah. Um you know, but anyway, I mean yes, he's I he is ostensibly grieving. Yeah. Uh Chapter four. Chapter four. There's the rest of the school we, year. We fast forward through the whole school year. I like her description of um she went through uh you know, miles of construction paper and wax crayon uh, that the state of Alabama bought in its well-meaning but fruitless efforts to teach me capital G, capital D, group dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a meaningless education yeah. major yeah, word. Concept, yeah. yeah, which is what I, I went through all those classes as well, group dynamics. Um, so, yeah, what are they? So they're, they go through the school year. You know, Jim was a poor example, yada, yada, yada. I do like the line, uh, so she hates school. Seems like And uh, out of what I knew not, yet I, uh, I was beat. okay, so, but as I inched sluggishly along the treadmill of the Maycomb County school system, I could not help receiving the impression that I was being cheated out of something. Out of what I knew not yet, I did not believe that 12 years of unrelieved boredom was exactly what the state had in mind for me. <laughs> so she hates school and she feels like, this should be fun. I should be having a good time growing and learning, and she's not. And so a lot of this is like a real like quick cut at like what public education was at the time. But I guess it's also like the it fails is designed for the average kid. It fails the, <laughs> the public edu- like yes. sc- school in general fails the uh, bad the, the kids who aren't as advanced as their fellow classmates and the ones that are too advanced like they don't know what to do with either of them. I mean yeah definitely yeah like point and point and, yeah point and teach. Uh, school as it is yeah it's very boring as it's yeah it's a different that's a different uh, that's a different podcast altogether <laughs> uh, but it's definitely Scout thinks it's boring and uh, probably is and this is so right there that's Scout that's Scout as memoirist that's adult Scout speaking yeah. through child Scout yeah probably even Harper Lee being like Harper I Lee. hated school that we should fix this why was it so school bad sucks. Uh, so she finds some chewing gum by the Boo Radley place that's the yes. next thing I got here let's see here yeah, two live oaks stood at the edge of the Radley lot. The re- roots reached out in the side road and made it bumpy. Something about one of the trees attracted my attention. Some tin foil was sticking in a knot hole just above my eye level, winking at me in the afternoon sun. 
She st- I stood on tiptoe, hastily looked around once more, reached into the hole, and withdrew two pieces of chewing gum minus their outer wrappers. Uh, <laughs> and I love she's like, like my first impulse was to get into my mouth as quickly <laughs> as possible, but I remember where it was. It's like, oh, yes, this is the tree of a murderous man. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, the impulse is still there. I like that. So that's we're back to six-year-old Scout. I want to put him out as fast as possible. And this is her poison test. I ran home, and on her front porch, I examined my loot. The gum looked fresh. I sniffed it, and it smelled all right. I licked it and waited for a while. So she's just like, all right, let's see if I die. <laughs> <laughs> Worth a try. And then Lou says, when I did not die, I crammed it into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to die to test this gum. Yes, I right. had to. Remi- I had to remind myself, like, okay, oh yeah, gum is a treat. Yes. Gum is still a, is a treat, and not just a ubiquitous thing that you need, right? Like, oh, I just drank too yeah. much. I need to. <laughs> Can I ask? Yeah, you don't just ask people for gum. It's a special treat. Wrigley's double mint, <laughs> and then Jim comes home to this terrible news. Uh, don't eat things you find, Scout. <laughs> and then she said, "This wasn't on the ground. It was in a tree. Like <laughs> that makes it better." Oh, okay. Jim growled. Well, it was. I said it was sticking in that tree yonder, the one coming from school. And he goes, spit it out right now. I spit it out. The tang was fading anyway. I've been chewing it all afternoon. And I ain't dead yet. Not even sick. And Jim stepped his foot. Don't you know you're not supposed to even touch the trees over there? You'll get ki- killed if you do. You yeah. touched the house once. That was different. You go gargle right now. You hear me? Ain't neither. It'll take the taste out of my mouth. You don't, and I'll tell Culperina on you. Culperina. Culpernia. Culpernia. Uh, Culpernia. Culpernia on you. And that was the threat that worked. But Jim was like, my little sister's going to die. And so here's like a genuine yeah. moment of real, like, oh, I like, don't die, Scout. <laughs> yeah. Rather than risk a tangle with Calpurnia, I did as Jim told me. Uh, for some reason, my first year of school had, had brought a great change in a relationship. Calpurnia's tyranny, unfairness, and meddling in my business had faded to gentle grumblings of general disapproval. <laughs> on my part, I went to much trouble sometimes not to provoke her. Yeah, so it's like she's not she's not at home with with her all the time now. So the relationship has changed. Yes, from Scout's point of view, it's like yeah, <laughs> Colperny's kind of chilled on me. <laughs> uh, she's not so mean anymore. And it's like no, it's yeah, it's she doesn't understand mm. six year old Scout again. Doesn't understand uh, what's changed about the relationship. But clearly, it's different. Summer. So basically, yeah, it's like it is like a fast forward to summer. Yeah, the best time of the year. The summer. The summer. The summer was everything good to eat. Was a thousand colors and parched landscape, but most of all, summer was Dill. Dill's coming back. Yes, and that's also a beautiful passage about like a great a great list. I'm a sucker for a good list. <laughs> yeah, and then the, those are what, uh, what those are those are um metaphors, I guess. Summer was summer was everything good to eat. You know, yeah. like when it's not summer exactly simile. No, that's like or yeah, yeah. But whatever. It's analogy. Yeah, or just describing what summer is, and it's great personification whatever yeah. one of those terms we'll figure it out later you have to figure it out you're a high school student you figure <laughs> it out <laughs> you stupid idiot yes <laughs> grow up uh yeah uh reckon old dill be coming home tomorrow probably day after mississippi turns him loose a day after him uh let's see here oh and then they go by the radley tree again uh trying to make jim believe i had found in there and found myself pointing at another piece of tinfoil uh-oh i see it scout i see it Jim looked up around, reached up, and gingerly pocketed a tiny, shiny package. We ran home, and on the front porch, we locked, looked at the small box, patchworked with bits of tinfoil collected from chewing gum wrappers. It was the kind of box wedding rings came in. Purple velvet with a, with a minute catch. And, and they find in two polished pennies, Indian heads, 1906 and Scout. One of them's 1900. These are real old. This is Jim examining the thing. 1900. Yes. Like 33 years old. So they 
Jim, you reckon this is somebody's hiding place? Nah, don't no don't nobody any much don't anybody much but us pass by there unless it's some grown person's grown folks don't have hiding places. And that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until marijuana became popular. That was yeah, <laughs> not a thing. Uh let's see here. Don't have a f- uh you reckon we ought to keep them? I don't know what we could do, Scout. Who do we give them back to? I know for a fact that no nobody go by there. Cecil goes by the back street all and all the way around by town to get home. Yeah, even Cecil Jacobs, who we never heard of until now, he goes he walks an extra mile to not walk past Boo Radley's. So they settle on uh Gemstead's uh we'll keep him until school starts, then go around and ask everybody if they're theirs. They're there's some bus childs, maybe. He was too taken up with going out of school today and forgot him. These are somebody's. I know that. See how they've been slicked up? They've been saved. These are like these are like special pennies to somebody is Jem's point. Yeah, but why would should somebody want to put away chewing gum like that? You know what doesn't last. And her point is like, why would you store chewing gum in a in a hiding place? Exactly. Something's up. Yes. And I think we're gonna see what is up later. I I smell foreshadowing. Or I smell like setting up a plot point. Otherwise there wouldn't be this much focus yeah. being put on two pennies and the gum. Um and Jem, I like Jem uh, focuses on how important Indian heads are. They're real strong magic. They make you have good luck. Not like fried chicken when you're not looking for it, but things like <laughs> lo- <laughs> the classic good luck example. <laughs> but things like life and good health and passing six-week tests. These are real valuable to somebody. I'm going to put them in my trunk. Just a, a beautiful quick portrait of a, a 10-year-old boy's worldview. <laughs> like fried chicken when you're not looking. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even looking for fried chicken. <laughs> oh, what good luck! <laughs> fried chicken when I wasn't looking for it. <laughs> oh joy! Okay, Dill arrives in the blaze of glory. He's got a lot of stories. Uh, he had taken a taxi. He rid the train by himself, and to top it all off, he had eaten dinner in a diner, and he had seen two twins hitched together get off the train. <laughs> <laughs> Siamese twins. So he sees Siamese twins. He's eating in diners alone. <laughs> Wait, he he stuck to the story regardless of threats. So <laughs> they're like, "I'll kill you if you're not if you're telling not telling the truth." I'm gonna beat. Stop telling lies. I'm gonna beat you up. And this this little kid is like, "I I did it. I saw." <clears throat> Such a fun little liar. They just don't believe him. So um, he says some more crap about seeing his dad. He helped the engineer steer the train. Yada yada yada. What do you want to play today? And they play a game for a while that they don't like called Tom Dick and Sit Tom Sam and Dick. Um, and they get tired of that. Um, oh, and then they end up, they end up, uh, yeah, they, he strolls to the front yard of the Radley place. I smell death. I do. I mean it. I, I told him to shut up. You, you mean when somebody's dying, you can smell it? No, I mean, I can smell somebody and tell if they're going to die. An old lady taught me how. Dill leaned over and sniffed me. Jean Louise Finch, you're going to die in three days. <laughs> Jean Louise Finch, you're going to die in. Three days. Oh, is Jem's name Gene? No. That's Scout's, Scout. Scout's a nickname. Gene Louise Finch. Gotcha. And then, <laughs> so, they talk more about superstition, the thing called hot, hot steam. Which does not sound like a ghost. It sounds like a fart. Let's be honest. Yes. What's a hot steam? <laughs> Have you ever walked along a lonesome road at night and passed by a hot place? A hot steam somebody who can't get to heaven, just wallows around on lonesome roads, and if you walk through them, when you die, you'll be one too. And you'll you'll go around at night sucking people's breath. How can you keep from passing through one? You can't. Sometimes they stretch all the way across the road. But if you have to go through one, you say, "Angel bright, life and death, get off the road. Don't suck my breath." <laughs> that keeps them from wrapping around you. 
Uh, Scout denies such superstition. That's right. Uh, so they end up uh, they end up playing this tire game, uh, even though. So yeah, Scout's like, let's play, let's play the tire game, and then Je- Jem's like, you know, I can't fit in there. And he goes, you, she goes, you could push, push me. Fun, yeah. So yeah, so she embarrassed. She says that's you're lying. That's that's fake stuff. Yeah. Uh, she uses a uh, a racial slur, uh, but not because Calpurnia says it. So there, that is part of this. Uh, that embarrasses yeah. Jem. He gets essentially got called out in front of uh, Dill. Right. For being superstitious. Yeah. Um, until it happened, I did not realize that Jem was offended by my contradicting him on hot steams and that he was patiently waiting an opportunity to reward me. He right. Did, <laughs> yeah. He uses, yeah, he u- so he uses the tire game to get back at Scout. So he pushes Classic her. Classic big brother move. I, oh, man. I've done this so many I've times. I've done it. I've had it done to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, one of those, yeah, like, like, oh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to get back. No, no revenge like big brother revenge. I got, I, I got all day. I get years if I need it. I can, I'll get back. Yeah. Here. I do not forget. I know where you live. <laughs> I am inherently bigger, stronger, and new, and I'm better at talking to mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeb pushes her real hard in the tire, and she ends up skidding all the way into the Radley's front yard. Right? Is this this, this yes. accurate? Yes. Pushed uh, aggressively. Uh, they're running behind because Jem's like, oh, no, I pushed her way too hard. Uh, she really describes kind of a harrowing thing of, like, she's going so fast she can't breathe. Yeah. Like, she feels like she's suffocating. And now she's, yeah, it's very scary. They're like, this is, I remember being genuinely terrified when I was, like, in middle school reading this. Right. I raised my head and stared at the Radley place. Steps in front of me, I froze. Come on, Scout, don't just lie there. Jem was screaming. Get up, can't you? There's children screaming in the street, like, it's an emergency. I got to my feet, trembling as I thought. Get the tire, Jim hollered. Bring it with you. Ain't you got any sense at all? When I was able to navigate, I ran back to them as fast as my shaking knees would carry me. Why didn't you bring it, Jim yelled. Why don't you get it, I screamed. Jim was silent. <laughs> Go on, it ain't far inside the gate. Why, you even touched the house once, remember? <laughs> yeah, don't you remember? That is brought up every single time she can. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Jem goes and gets tired. I like this description of uh, when Jem is um, not declining. Uh, is about to about to go and get the tire. He uh, he ran down the sidewalk, treaded water at the gate, and then dashed in and retrieved the tire. So that's such a good way of describing like the, what just he was hesitant, doing. Yeah, yeah, just like kind of like okay, okay, running okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, like you can just see it. It's here we go, here we go, here we go. So like right there, that's a it's it's not a beautiful phrase, but it's a perfectly used phrase. Perfectly like a. Uh, beauty and its, and its functionality. Yeah, well done, Harper Lee. You're not you're not quite Fitzgerald yet, but this that that's a great phrase. Nice job. Yeah. Uh, there was more to it than he knew, but I decided not to tell him. And that uh, is a little seed that comes back later. Um, Calpurnia appeared in the front door and yelled, "Lemonade time!" And there's just a sweet scene of them drinking lemonade, which leads into Jim going, "I know what we're gonna play. We're gonna play dot dot dot." Boo Radley, <laughs> and and Scout is very perceptive, and she goes, she could tell that Jem was doing that in order to, yeah, cover for his fear. Yeah, he had thought that up to make me understand that he wasn't afraid of Radley's in any shape or form to contrast his own fearless heroism with my cowardice. So they're just gonna taunt. He's like, I'm gonna taunt the Radleys. I'm not afraid of them. I will mock them using satire. I will become them. Yes. Yeah. So they end up playing the Radley. So so uh, Scout is the role of Mrs. Radley. Dill is Mr. Radley, who walks up and down the street and coughs when you talk to him. That's what Mr. <laughs> Radley does. Yeah. Uh, and then Jem, of course, is Boo Radley. 
He went under the front steps and shrieked and howled from time to time. As the summer progressed, so did our game. We polished and perfect, perfected it, added dialogue and plot until we had a manufactured a small play upon which we rang changes every day. Man, Dill was a villain's villain. He could get into any character part assigned him and appear tall if height was part of the devilry required. He was as good as his worst performance. His worst performance was gothic. I reluctantly played assorted ladies who entered the script. Yeah, and I, I and I played with that somewhere with more than vague anxiety, despite Jem's assurances that Boo Radley was dead and nothing would get me, with him and Calpurnia there in the daytime and Atticus home at night. Jem was a born hero. In its own paragraph, Jem was a born hero, period. What, for making fun of Boo? For the Radleys? being a, a hero actor in this melodrama. He's he's born to play the, the lead hero. He's the hero. But Boo Radley's also, the hero? Well, yeah, that's that's a good point, where it's like... Like is that's He's such a, a weird because I think it's also supposed to be a double meaning sentence of like, hey Jim's gonna be a hero throughout this whole thing, uh, but Jim is good at being the the figure of attention and and the protagonist in this play at least because Dill is described as a villain's villain. Yeah. So it's contrasting that like they're so, they're very good at their parts. Yeah. So Jim is yeah Jim is good at being this this the the main character the Boo Radley. He's yeah. good at that. Um. But it is a good to point out that it's just in its own paragraph. Uh, it was a melancholy little drama, woven from bits and scraps of gossip and neighborhood legend. Mrs. Radley had been beautiful until she married Mr. Radley and lost all her money. She also lost most of her teeth, her hair, and her right forefinger. Dill's contribution boobed it off one night when he couldn't find any cats and squirrels to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so they're adding, they're adding new things to the legend that they, they've yeah. come to understand about the Radleys. Um, the three they, of us were the boys who got into trouble. Yeah, the story we've already heard, right? The boys yeah. get in trouble, the, the probate judge for a change. So she's a judge instead of a girl instead. Uh, Dill led Jem away and crammed him beneath the steps, poking him with the brush broom. Jem would reappear as needed in the shapes of, sh- of the sheriff, assorted townsfolk, and Miss Stephanie Crawford, who had more to say about the Radleys than anybody in Maycomb. Oh, yeah, that's she's the gossip. Yeah, the, Crawford. the gossip. Yeah. Um, when it was time to play Boo's big scene, Jem would sneak into the house, steal the scissors from the sewing machine drawer when Calpurnia's back was turned, then sit in the swing and cut up newspapers. Dill would walk by, cough at Jem, and Jem would fake a plunge into Dill's thigh. From where I stood, it looked real. That seems important. That to, to Scout, she's fully invested. She can't yeah. separate this from reality. It looks so real to her. And then when Mr. Nathan Radley passes on his daily trip to town, so there's still like these, the uh, Boo's brother is still walking by walking while they're right doing Walking right by. We would stand still and silent until he was out of sight, then wonder what he would do to us if he suspected. Our activities halted when any of the neighbors appeared, and once they saw Ms. Monty Atkinson staring across the street at us, her edge clippers poisoned midair. And then they're caught. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, one day we were so busily playing chapter... Oh. One day we were so busily playing chapter 25, book two of One Man's Family, we did not see Atticus standing on the sidewalk looking at us, slapping a rolled magazine against his <laughs> knee. The sun said 12 noon. What are you all playing, he asked. Nothing, said Jim. Jim's evasion told me our game was a secret, so I kept quiet. Nice. What are you doing with those scissors then? Why are you tearing up that newspaper? If it's today, I'll tan you. Nothing. Nothing what? said Atticus. Nothing, sir. Give me those scissors. There are no things to play with. Does this by any chance have anything to do with the Radleys? Aha. No, sir, said Jim, reddening. Reddening. So he already is embarrassed. I hope it doesn't, he said shortly, and went inside the house. Jim? Shut up. He's gone in the living room. He can hear us in there. <laughs> Safely in the yard, Dill asked Jim if we could play any more. I don't know. Atticus didn't say we couldn't. Jim, I said, Attic- I think Atticus knows it anyway. <laughs> no, he don't. If he did, he'd say he did. 
I was not so sure, but Jim told me I was being a girl. That girls always imagine things. That's why other people hated themselves. So. <laughs> 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 this is classic so girl stuff. Girl, boy, girl yeah. stuff. <laughs> and if I started behaving like one, I could just go off and find some to play with. All right, you just keep it up then, I said. You'll find out. Atticus's arrival was the second reason I wanted to quit the game. The first reason happened the day I rolled into the Radley front yard. Through all the head shaking, quelling of nausea, and Jim yelling, I'd heard another sound, so low I could not have heard it from the sidewalk. Someone inside the house was laughing. Laughing! laughing. Oh, when I first read that, it was terrifying. I was like, oh no, he's in there and he's watching them! <laughs> yeah, I know, it's really scary. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he's, like a, he's like a real murderous, it's a classic, yeah, classic murdery character. Yeah, there's a guy in the house and he's laughing at this child who... A rundown house. He's a madman. He's a murder. He's a killer. He stabbed someone. I mean, yeah. he's he's capable of violence. He's unknown. Yeah. So that's the end of chapter four, and uh, so we're gonna find out what's happening inside this Radley house. Obviously, the Radley house is such a huge focus. Yeah, it's it's like an enormous thing. It's like it's I I don't know. Like we could distract it. I don't know if it's a metaphor for any sort of grander themes outside of itself. Sure. As we go along. But right now it's just like a very it's like a such a drama center and like this like each chapter is like a perfect anecdote of like she structured it perfectly like they she ends up rolling down and hitting the in hitting the house in the tire and you're like oh what a crazy child thing right and they're scared and then she mentions something briefly and then she uses it to close the chapter which is such a good structure move it's a lot it makes of you want to start the next chapter yeah you're like oh no what's going on exactly cliffhanger it's uh, it's yeah. The structure is crazy perfect. I mean, like the fact that it's like okay, you get to get the one summer game. This is like, you find out how the normal summer goes, and then the summer is a little different because of the Boo Radley thing. And like, and then it's like, and then next summer is going to be a little bit different, perhaps. Yeah. Each one of these chapters you could see standing on its own, and like if you read it, like this book almost could be like a serialized novel, all it kind of used to be. Of like, I gotta cut, I gotta catch their adventures next week. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, for sure, it's one of those things. Uh, yeah, it's. And the class thing set up with the the class thing and the um and the ethics things that are already being discussed. It's like there's no way that she's not going to cash those checks. You can feel that it's being yeah. written. So I know when it comes time to the courtroom scene or whatever the Yules are involved or whatever we're talking about, those are gonna. I, I, I get to call these shots because I haven't read it. I, I haven't read the <laughs> read the whole book. So and by the way, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying Scout as a narrator. I'm enjoying the folksy sort of uh, telling tales. So fun. Small town. Very fun. So funny. I mean, we're, like, we're laughing out loud at exactly. lines. Like, just cold readings of, like, that's exactly. a great line. Yeah, yeah. Fun lines. Scout's funny. The interaction's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Childlike mischief mixed with a little bit of, like, um, a little bit of morality. You can, yeah, I can see, though, this is a, this is a classic. It feels like a classic. Yeah. No, I uh, I'm I'm excited as this goes along because it's so good. We're like this is still so compelling, and it's all been essentially set up like anecdotes to set up the portrait of the town so that the adventure can begin. Yeah, yeah, we're not even there. And it's yet. still fun. It's yeah. still so, so fun to read these chapters. Right, and there's a, there's little arcs. There's little arcs on the way to the big arc. We're getting these little little like I mean like the Dill arc where you know like uh, like yeah. Dill's play changes they like like dill now as opposed to they, you know didn't always started and everything's becoming familiar and there's like yeah. little it's over such a long period of time that there's changes in relationships the other two like 
Copernia, the, yeah. Yeah, the, well, the other two books were like were over a short enough period of time that it was very difficult to have major changes. Right, in the, the Catcher in the Rye and uh, the Great Gatsby. We're talking about those yeah. books. Yeah, they they happen quickly, and uh, it's more yeah, like the characters' relationships don't change that yeah, much. They're, they're, I mean, they don't change. And the, the fundamental nature, yeah. yeah we're like the Gatsby. It's all about like, oh, we love each other. No, we don't. But yeah. like. But it's all very dramatic. Where this is like a very natural progression of life, and you're allowed to do almost like a TV show, where things slowly change, and they work their way through in a very natural, satisfying pattern. Yeah, uh, it's exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, we uh, we created an an Instagram and a Twitter. Look out! Uh, the Instagram is at OK hey, Gatsby Pod, and the Twitter is Gatsby OK. They won't let me change it for some reason. Gatsby OK. <laughs> But we yeah we uh, we'll post news about episodes and uh, pictures of ourselves. <laughs> the memes are the memes are crushing. I yeah, love the memes. I've been making some memes for you guys. Yeah. So if you like memes about Gatsby or Catcher in the Rye, and we'll, we'll be starting. Oh, well, I'm gonna take it a selfie right now, Kev. Yeah. We're doing it right now. Mid recording. Uh, okay, I'll take a different selfie. Too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Oops. we'll do something else. <laughs> we'll do a different thing. I mean, uh, I noticed also my note, my note, my notes were in the background. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed of someone just zooming in and like reading all my goals <laughs> and stuff, <laughs> and then making fun of me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get roasted by the uh, teens who follow the Spark Notes Twitter. Inspirational quotes. I've and just stuff. been going down the Spark Notes follow list and just, <laughs> oh yeah, just seeing if they like. Hey, what's this? Nice. Uh, but yeah, and then we also all have an email. If you have any uh, longer comments you'd like to leave with us, uh, okgatsbypod at gmail.com. That would be awesome. We, If you email us, I will straight up read that email in the podcast. You're welcome. Yeah, we'll do please. It. We'll read it. Reach out. Um, threaten us. Threaten our lives. <laughs> <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> I don't need that. More. I would love to get the police involved. <laughs> <laughs> do That's it. why I started a podcast. Do it. I'll tell you my address. You can come kill me. <laughs> No, don't tell them your address because that's also my address. Yeah. <laughs> Kill only me, okay? Um, uh, I'm just kidding. Five and six next week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can find my Twitter at Kevin Lopkovich. And my Instagram is at Ha Hartnet. And my name is Terrence Hartnet. That's my name. And my name is Kevin Lopkovich. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.